Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Samorn Celine. She's here to talk to us about the foundation for a happy legal career, and it just might surprise you. Samorn Selim is the Creative Joy Director of Career Unicorns and has successfully worked with over 1,000 clients to effectively land dream jobs, be promoted to leadership positions, and develop a book of business. She was formerly the Director of Employer Outreach and Associate Director for the Private Sector Counseling and Programs at Berkeley Law. She is committed to and involved in diversity and inclusion initiatives, a frequent speaker and a moderator at professional associations on topics like managing cultural code switching, supporting first-generation professionals, and sponsoring women of color and developing leadership skills. And we are going to be talking a lot today about having that happy career, and we're going to start right now. I want to welcome you, Samorn, to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Faye. I really appreciate this. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Wonderful. Let's start about this happy career because lawyers don't always have a happy career. So what can we do? Yeah, lawyers definitely generally are known not to have happy careers. And I think a lot of it has to do with the amount of stress, the amount of expectations and intensity that goes into the job. And generally, people who are attracted to this type of work are already type A because as it is, it's difficult to get into law school. I myself was one of those people. You know, I grew up from a very poor background. My parents are refugees. And so for me, I was always looking to do what I could to achieve the next thing. So I I was lucky enough to get to college and then to go to Berkeley Law for law school and had the opportunity to work at a big law firm. And so, you know, when you look at societal markers, you think, wow, this person's made it, right? She's making six figures. She's in her mid-20s working at a large law firm overlooking the Bay Bridge in San Francisco, which, you know, that's the Golden Gate Bridge in my background. But, you know, you, you look at the, all the societal markers and you think this person's made it. But I can say that like uh, up until that point in my life, and I, I lived a pretty tough life, that was probably one of the most miserable moments of my life. Because you keep thinking that if you achieve these things, you're going to be happy, but then you get there and you feel, oh my God, this feels really empty. This was not what I thought I was going to get at all. And the lack of feeling of control and the lack of sleep really, really had a huge impact on my mental health and physical well-being. I was having things like migraines where I was having oral visions and couldn't really see. My insomnia started to kick in, wasn't feeling really good about myself. And that made me we really take a step back and reflect and say like, okay, if all this is not happiness, then what is? And it really made me take a look at my own career and working with my own career coach, as well as a therapist, I was really able to dig deep inside and recognize that um, as cheesy as it sounds, like happiness is an inside job and that, you know, happiness is a state of being. It's not necessarily uh, all these outside things that are going to give you that. And so it really was a journey for me and really allowed me to have that space to have an inquiry in terms of doing and figuring out what I love, which is actually mentoring, coaching, and helping people. And that's what landed me into transitioning to my next job, being director of employer outreach at Berkeley Law School, and now being a presenter and speaker, as well as doing one-on-one coaching. 
So this is an important thing. I think we're talking about, you were touching on this just a little bit ago when you were talking about what happened to you with the physical ailments and those types of things. Mm -hmm. So why is it important for us to have a happy career beyond the obvious? Yeah, I think, you know, happiness is something that sounds really fluffy, but when you really think about it, there's a lot of positivity, happiness research and studies that show that it's happiness that actually leads to success and it's happiness that leads to the good life. And I think we can all agree that we want to live a good life. We want to be able to enjoy time with our family and friends. We want to feel good about the things that we're able to do and, and feel like we're contributing and having a purpose in our lives. And happiness is very much tied to that. I was just working with a client recently who by all markers seemed to be very successful, right? Went to Ivy League undergrad, top 10 law school, worked at very prestigious places, but found herself completely depressed to a point where she couldn't get out of bed anymore. And a big reason for that was because, you know, she wasn't doing the things to take care of herself. She wasn't doing the things that made her happy. And she was afraid to try things that didn't fit into this narrow box of what she society was forcing her to conform to. And I think since we're talking to women here and, you know, the intersectionality with women and people of color and first generation professionals and college students like myself, there's a lot of pressures and expectations for you to do certain things. And for, you know, some time that can be good because we know studies show that children need boundaries and guidance, but you get to a point in your life where if you're constantly living your life for somebody else and using that as a metric to your happiness and success, it's almost a form of what's called so suicide and you lose your sense of self. And what, what then happens is all the physical, mental ailments, emotional ailments come with it. And it could really have devastating consequences on your physical health, on your mental well-being, and also most importantly, the relationships with you have with yourself as well as the people that you love. So you've just identified what often gets in the way. I think it's our mental mindset about what we need to do in terms of how we go about our career. And we're not really focused on the self-care, self-love aspect. Definitely. You know, I think so much so we feel so pressured to do certain things. And admittedly, in law, you had to have followed a certain standard that is expected, right? You had to go to undergrad and be somewhat successful. You had to take the LSATs or some kind of other examination to get into law school. And then you have to pass the bar examination to practice wherever you're practicing. And so the list just continues to go on and on and on. But then at some point, you have to stop and ask yourself, well, what is it that's driving me and what's making me happy? When I was working with a client who was thinking about dropping out of practice entirely. She was working, you know, uh, in private sector and consulting and just felt like she wasn't achieving the purpose that she wanted and wasn't making the kind of impact that she wanted. But the work that she wanted to do, which was to support women who were trying to open their own small businesses, wasn't quite quote unquote sexy in the public interest sector, but she really wanted to do that work and was discouraged from doing it and told that because of her background, it wasn't possible. And she felt really depressed and hopeless and helpless. And so, you know, she wasn't engaging with her friends. She wasn't going out. She was thinking about dropping out of her career completely and just, just thinking like if she just traveled for a year, it would fix it. Um, and, and that feels good for a bit, but running away never really solves the problem, right? And through our work together, we were able to really help her finally even have the courage to say, this is what I want to do. But the reason why I won't say it out loud is because I've already been told many times that it won't, it won't happen. And what we were able to get at was like, look, if this is really what you want to try out, 
there's no 100% guarantee in life, right? But what we can do is say, these are your actual goals. Let's, let's brainstorm and let's help you figure out what are the possibilities to set you up for success. And, you know, once she had that clarity, we were able to implement a strategy that she was able to put in right away, even though the fear still comes up, because it's not like fear is going to go away completely just because you've identified it, but it helps to just at least acknowledge it and identify it. And she was able to make the connections that she should make and was able to land a very prestigious fellowship um, and is still continuing to do that work now. So that's been amazing. You know, the, the two things that kept her back were lack of clarity, one, and then once she had clarity, the fear of failure and the fear of, of people rejecting her and telling her it was impossible. But when she was able to work through those things, she was able to achieve what she wanted and actually is doing something even more than what she had imagined or dreamed of. Well, let's just tap into developing some of those skills that you work with your clients. Let's talk a little bit about how do we go about starting to have that career that we love? Yeah. Wow. That's a big question. But the first thing I work with them on is having a safe space where they can recognize and accept what's going on. I think so much so, and you know this, Faye, we live in a world of social media where everybody has to look perfect. And, you know, there's, there's stories about having an Instagram husband or the Instagram wife because we're taking like a thousand shots to have the, the picture perfect moment. But that's, that's not how life works, you know? And those things can, can be fun for the moment, but they could really cloud your own clarity and your own judgment. So being able to just have that space doing small things and hopefully you can join me in this is just taking a deep breath so why don't we just take three deep breaths together Faye that's sound okay good? sounds great we all think we know how to breathe so tell us how we would do that yeah so I want you to just sit up straight or stand with your foot grounded back straight close your eyes hands gently on your lap with your palms up and then breathing in deeply through your nose and then out through your mouth and next breath in, raising your shoulders slightly, breathing in through your nose again, and out through your mouth and letting your shoulders drop. So is this part of creating our safe space? It's part of creating your safe space and creating a space for you to be present. And part of that present may be feeling whatever feelings that are coming up for you. How did that feel for you? What came up for you, Faye? I felt pretty relaxed. Pretty relaxed. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times people don't realize how much we're bunching up and holding so much tightness. And I think especially as lawyers and women, we hold so much. There's so much demand, so much that we have to do. You're constantly going through your to-do list, constantly like I got a bill every six minutes, right? And just even saying that you can feel the tightness. And sometimes it just takes us like relaxing and coming into like what is really going on like right now instead of living in the regret of the past or the anxiousness of the future. So that's the first part is just recognizing where you're at accepting whatever's coming up for you. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to say, I'm not going to ever be able to change things. But before you can even change things, you need to get to that place of acceptance. So those are like the first two steps. And then the next step is to really, once you're in that space, and this is a practice, it's not like you do today, right now, you're going to oh, I have clarity. <laughs> it's going to take some practice for you to build out that space for yourself so that you actually know what's inside you and what are your thoughts and feelings versus what's being fed to you from the outside or conditioned, right? Because we've all been conditioned in some way to say, this is how you're supposed to live your life. And it does. Um, I, can, I can see that it would take some time to get that clarity by filtering out all the different things that have filtered in and letting them go to where you're actually getting in touch with 
what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and letting that come to you so that you can experience it instead of burying it, pushing it away, distracting yourself, just being in the moment. Absolutely. Instead of like being busy, which is a way of distracting yourself or numbing yourself. And a lot of people in the legal industry numb with alcohol abuse, drug abuse, and other forms of numbing, right? So it's just a way to, to just have compassion and grace for yourself and say, whatever is coming up for me right now, and I still have these feelings myself, even though I do this practice, is it's, it's okay. And a lot of times what you, you end up when you uncover all of that now that I've worked with over a thousand people is, is this feeling of like, I'm not enough. I'm a fraud. If people find out what I'm really like, they're not going to like me or love me. And those are real fears that people feel. And those fears drive you to do things. But because the validation is from outside, it's never enough because it's constantly moving. And so what you need to do is just kind of go back inside yourself and ask, how do I find happiness within myself? And truly the only person who can make you happy is really you. So once you get to that place, having clarity about where you want to go, I have a pretty intense 90 minute session where I go through this clarity session and we won't solve everything in your life, but generally we have a pretty good sense of like, what's your challenges, what's holding you back, what really your, your vision is and what are the immediate next steps that would be helpful in helping you to get to that place. And so we develop a game plan and most importantly, a strategy in terms of building a process, how you can take action steps that would allow you to get there very effectively and very efficiently because what studies do show is that the thing that kills our desires and our dreams and our motivation to work on ourselves is this passing of time without much happening. So you have to constantly build on that momentum to allow yourself to get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm taking steps. I'm building all the motivation that I have. And all of this time and investment is really for myself. And when you get to a place of happiness, you can see such amazing results. But that's a really good point to say that it's going to take time. It's going to be a process and you have to really go through the first steps to be able to get to the clarity. So when we talk about self-care, we're talking about the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspect, right? Yeah, absolutely. Physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. And I think, you know, there are times in your life where you'll work on one piece of it, but what you'll find is that they're actually all interconnected. So if you're working out, of course, that's going to help you release endorphins, um, decrease cortisol hormones. But if you're emotionally just really stuck, it's still in your body. It's still going to be on your mind and it's still going to keep repeating. So you have to work on that emotional, mental aspect of it as well. And in terms of spiritual, I think people have very different belief systems around what they believe. And I get a lot of questions like, well, do you believe in X, Y, or Z? And I'm like, you know, whatever that you believe in that allows you to have hope, and have faith in yourself and faith that things can get better because no matter how bad a situation you think you're in, there are always things that you can do to make the situation better. That's an excellent point because sometimes I think we feel so overwhelmed by our current situation, like the lawyer that you were talking about, who's looking at leaving because of the fact that she couldn't see probably a way to fix it, a way to make it better. So when we develop all of this and we're talking about the plan, but let's just talk a little bit, how does the physical incorporate into this? The physical is a huge piece. So there's a lot of new research and studies on this. There's a really great book that I highly recommend to everybody. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And what it says is that when we have pain um, and trauma in particular, we, we associate it 
in our bodies and it kind of carries out in your bodies. And so if you don't release that physical pain, it will remain there and continually get re-triggered. And so when you are able to move your body, it allows you to just feel present. It allows you to, again, release endorphins and just get in touch and in tune with yourself. I was actually just talking to a client who was dealing with what she thought was very severe carpal tunnel, and she had taken four weeks off. And when we were talking, she's like, you know, so stressed out, wasn't really, in a way, kind of didn't even feel like she was coherent because she was just like, and you could just feel it in her speech pattern. It was just, you know, and you, you can sense when you're talking to somebody and they're not quite there, but they're, they sound logical enough, but they're sort of like scattered. And what came to mind was like, Hey, you know, I think there's something going on physically. You're going to physical therapy. That's what it sounds like, but you're disappointed. That's not getting better. And we took a deep breath the way we did together, took 10 deep breaths. And she was like, Samorin, I didn't realize how tight I am and how much I'm carrying. And I told her like, yeah, you know, a lot of times when that happens, your body is physically actually tightening up and that can cause a lot of other issues because your cortisol hormones are just increasing and increasing. So the breathing allowed her to relax. She was in that session able to find a solution, which was she wanted to get a second opinion and was able to get that appointment. I checked in with her three days later and she sounded like a a completely different person. She was like, I'm so happy that we were able to talk. I've been doing the breathing exercises every day. I've, you know, went to see the second specialist. They gave me something else and said that the current physical therapy I doing wasn't rigorous enough and that I also needed to include massages. And, you know, I checked in with her again and now she's like, okay, my left hand is completely fine. My right hand has some issues, but we're, we still need to like work on it. And she was able to talk to her supervisor about extending her time off instead of having to file for FMLA or other things. So breathing can make a huge difference. So how do we structure this into our day? How do we do this? Yeah, I think everybody has different practices. You know, what a lot of gurus, and I wouldn't call myself a meditation guru, although it's part of my daily practices to do it for 20 minutes a day if you can. But what I say is this, it's kind of hard, especially as lawyers and with the pandemic and everything else going on, if you have kids like me to do all of that. So I just tell people, look, if you can just take 10 deep breaths first thing in the morning, 10 deep breaths at lunch and 10 deep breaths before you go to bed, you will notice a pretty huge difference. And now really do them, not just, you know, blow through them, but really take the time to center yourself, sit in the right position, close your eyes and do it with your palms up. And then it will really affect how you're feeling. Yeah. And you did it together and you notice a difference, more relaxed in today's world, because there's so much going on. You can be very reactive, very quick to be like, oh, jab, 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 jab. But if you can come from a calmer space, even if that person is attacking you, you don't have to feel like you're counterattacking. You also don't have to live in ruminating about like, I can't believe that person said blah, 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 blah. You can come back to yourself and center yourself and say, okay, what, what is it that I want? And what are the things that I can do to actually help myself get to a place of love, get to a place of compassion, get to a place of making this the best situation? This sounds very process oriented. So I just wanted right. to take you back to, you were saying that it's very important to set up a process around this. And I know you work with clients, you bring them in, you center them and we start the process, but how does it look for somebody who's listening to this podcast? What would, what could they, do to set up a bit of a process around what we've started here? Like I said, first, you know, setting the intention of saying like, okay, I'm going to do this for myself.
myself. I'm going to make this investment for myself because loving myself and having compassion for myself is worth it. And when you start from that space, you're also able to spread it to others and that will remarkably improve your life and your relationships. The second piece is then saying, okay, well, what's, what are things that I can build into my daily practice that will allow me to have this? And there's a combination of breathing and a combination of some a body movement, and then a combination of writing. I'll talk about the first two because they're the easiest. The breathing, like I mentioned, you know, first thing, setting it in your alarm up, take 10 deep breaths, and literally writing that in your alarm for, you know, first thing in the morning, lunch, and in the evening. And if you can do more, then of course do more. If you have a big meeting that you feel super anxious about, do it then as well. So it's really about making it a part of your daily practice. In terms of the body movement, I find that the easiest way is to build it into your life. So for example, if you take public transit, like I did, you know, instead of taking an Uber, maybe take a BART and then walk two blocks, maybe walk up one level of stairs. If you're working from home, which I think many of us are, making sure that you get up every hour to go grab the water or go to the restroom. So it's always about building it into your daily life so that it doesn't feel like another inconvenience or feel like, oh my God, it's one more thing I have to do. Because often we're all already overwhelmed. It's not to add one more to do thing. It's more of like, let's build into your life. Let's make it a part of that. And through that natural process, like you were mentioning as well, it becomes part of your daily activity and you'll start to notice the differences throughout and see the compounding impact that it has. So you're process oriented, not necessarily results oriented. I think that's a great way to look at it. I think as lawyers, we're always looking at, I want to do this to achieve this. But one of the most difficult things and challenging things about happiness is that there isn't really any like universal standard. So your level of happiness is going to be different from mine. What studies and research do universally show is if you commit to the process and you do these things, you will notice an improvement. You know, some people will, like one of my clients where physically her arms are actually getting better. And she's doing some things that are changing her physical therapy, but there's also that like mental element and that that walking element that she's built into her daily practice that has really allowed her to relax and release. You know, you also see the other client where, you know, she was struggling about whether she should leave law entirely. And when she realized that it was really, she was feeling anxious and unhappy that was causing her unhappiness at work. When she was able to actually address that root cause, she realized like, no, actually there are many things I like about the law. And what I need is to search for these types of things that will allow me to do more of what I love, as opposed to doing the things that are really, really stressing me out. I think we just touched on some of the expected results. What can you add? What other results can we expect if we incorporate this into our daily lives and our daily structure? Yeah, I think you can wake up with a sense of peace. One thing that one, a lot of my clients come to me and say is they're like, I have trouble sleeping. I have so much anxiety when I wake up. I really dread going into the office. And all of that sounds really terrible. I mean, you, you see with your toddlers or even yourself, one night of bad sleep, you're grouchy. Now imagine you hadn't slept for years that kind of impact on both your emotion, your um, your ability to just be patient or even be present because you're so irritable all the time. So you can see that from that space, if you can act from a place where you're not constantly anxious or irritable, you can enjoy the day more. And it's just small things like, wow, it's so nice to be outside and the sun's out. It sounds very small, 
But then the big things that I've seen where my clients have been able to transform their lives is like some of them are finally at a place where they're like, okay, I can get married. I know that sounds crazy, but they're like, if I can't even take care of myself, how am I supposed to, you know, spend time with somebody else? Or I'm not happy that I don't feel like I can start a family. And so there's some bigger things like that. Other results you see from people are, you know, they've been able to transition. One of my clients recently transitioned from practicing in litigation to doing transactional work. She was like, I really hate going to court. And so why am I doing this every day? And she just felt like it wasn't possible to transition across sectors, but we were able to help her figure that out and transition. And now she really loves being in more of that advisory counseling role. And she loves that she could just pay outside counsel to go to court for her instead. Uh, she still has to show up, but she's not sitting on pins and needles because that just gives her so much anxiety and stress. And so you really start to feel like you are in control of your life and that even with all this craziness that's happening out side in the world, but I'm still able to, to in my day-to-day -day life, come home, be able to be present with my toddler, be able to laugh with my husband, and still be able to do the kind of advocacy work I want to do with mental wellness, with helping diverse communities. So those are the kinds of results that you can see. And it'll vary from person to person as well, because it's really about going through the process and developing that practice for yourself. Thanks, Samorin, for coming on today. We've been talking about setting the intention to get in touch with our real selves, the process, breathing, acceptance, and body movement. Using these methods allows us to have validation from within and not externals. We will be able to get to know our own thoughts and feelings and not what others and society expects about us in our careers. This has been an excellent foundation for creating the happy career that we all desire. Thank you again. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out HerLegalGlobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.